0: friends, we hope you enjoy this sermon from St. Jude Oakcliff. and if nobody has told you today that they love you, we do, but more importantly, God does. We have been doing a summer series and using art and uh, theology. This is going to be um, a little bit different this morning. I-, I would like to do a sermon on a very strange text on Matthew 10, verses 34 to 42, because sometimes things are not what they seem to be. And we need to look at this. This is when Jesus talks about swords and conflict and all those things. So let's look at the scriptures together. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 42. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward." And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Now Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. He, that's Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. These are the holy scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the intentions of all of our hearts and minds together be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. Well, last couple of weeks, I did have a bike up here and I was talking about my bike because we were doing a, a series on forgiveness and apologizing and I used um, a song from the Decemberist called the Apology Song, which I like as kind of a kickoff for that. But I also thought I'd go on this theme of forgiveness this week and talking about a text that for a lot of people, they just kind of look at it and think, oh, I need to pass this one up because Jesus is saying, I've not come to bring peace, but I'm bringing a sword and I'm gonna create conflict between kids, and parents, and in-laws, and um, it just sounds like one of those really, really difficult texts. And we need to make sense of it. So we're gonna try to make sense of it. And the the first time I encountered this in a real kind of simplistic way, I was 29 years old, and I was, oh, I think I was 20, excuse me, and I was going to seminary in San Diego, California, and I visited a church with my wife, with an Irish pastor. And anyone with a Scottish and Irish accent, they're always fun to listen to. He found out that I was going to seminary, and he kind of latched on to me because I guess not too many seminarians went to this church. He was a tough, kind of a brawling Irishman, and he preached on this text. And basically what he said in his own reformed way, it was not Presbyterian reformed, but he was reformed. He was saying, unless you believe in the sovereignty of God the way I do, You're not preaching the full gospel. And if you don't believe this, um, then you shouldn't, then you're wrong. And this is the sword that Jesus is talking about. And if you don't like this, um, too bad. You should believe this more than anything. And if you don't believe this more than anything, um, you're not a follower of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you're on the outside and there's gonna be conflict amen, let's pray. And he invited me to his house for lunch afterwards. I thought, well, okay, that's interesting. And he invited me to his house, and we was talking, and I thought, I was very flattered, by the way, because he wanted me to come to the church, and he was going to give me opportunities to preach, which I needed, because I had to fulfill certain requirements for seminary. Yeah, it's just one of those things. And then uh, I talked to him. We probably talked for two hours afterwards, and I just said, uh, he said, well, what would you think of the sermon? I said, I don't know, it's like a lot of conflict. He goes, well, there's a lot of conflict in the Bible. I said, yeah, but there's also the peace of the cross, you know. I mean, Jesus is the Redeemer. He he brings us together. He unites us. Where was that? And then he goes, what was there? It was in the message. I said, I, I, really? I just thought like you're saying, if you don't believe in the sovereignty of God, you're kind of going to hell and have a nice day. And he said, yeah, I guess it kind of came across that way. And I didn't say anything, there was a long pause, and then he said, you know what, Martin, I don't feel like I've gone to church unless I've been punched in the mouth, and I thought, there it is, right there, there it is, right there, he loves this text, because he likes to be punched in the mouth, and he said, see you next week, and I said, yeah, but I wasn't telling the truth, I didn't come back, I didn't go back the next week, because I, I just thought I'd been around guys like this, have you been around people like that, Christians like that, that, that use a text to talk about violence and do all those kind of things and I just didn't think he was getting it right but there there it is in Matthew, Matthew 10 Jesus says I have not come to bring peace but a sword and you have to take up your cross and follow me now you should know this is the first time Jesus uses the word cross in the gospel way before he went to the cross and the apostle Paul before this was written had already written the book of Galatians we think and others and he's talking about the cross So this is something you should know. Anytime the New Testament talks about the word the cross, the preaching of the cross, it doesn't mean just preaching the crucifixion. It means preaching the whole thing, Friday through Sunday. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's preaching the cross of Christ. So Jesus says, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. And you need to take up your cross and follow me. You need to somehow align yourself with my cross, my death, burial, and resurrection, and follow me. But what's really going on in this text? Well, you kind of have to go to the the beginning of the text to find out. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus takes his 12 apostles and says, I'm going to send you guys out. I'm going to send you guys out as my apostles, all 12 of you. And as you go, you will go to the house of Israel. And as you go out, here's where I want you to go to. Go to those who have leprosy. Jesus said that. Go to those who have leprosy and heal them. Raise the dead. Go to those on the outside. Here's what he says precisely. Matthew chapter 10 in the beginning. Then the 12, sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no towns of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, proclaim good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Wow. So they're preaching the good news of Jesus, and they're to cast out demons, and they're to preach the gospel to lepers. Okay, for you kids here, you know what leprosy is? Leprosy is a contagious disease that if you get it, you might die so if you have a friend and they say to you hey can you come over and play a game with me i have a contagious disease that might kill you and if you ask your mom can you go over your mom's going to say no you can't because why where's the last place you want to be in someone's house that has a contagious disease that might die so jesus is saying go to those that everybody marginalizes The demon-possessed, someone who's wrestling with demons, someone that has spiritual, deep spiritual troubles, emotional troubles, mental issues. Wow. People that have deep spiritual, emotional, or mental issues are often marginalized, aren't they? It's the last place we want to go. So Jesus says, I want you to go to the people that no one goes to, that people marginalize, but don't marginalize them, because I made them, and they need good news. Tell them that I love them. Give them hope. And then Jesus says, as you go to them, that's going to create conflict. It's going to bring a sword, and it's going to create conflict. And he actually quotes from the book of Micah, Micah chapter seven, when Jesus says, father against son, son against father, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Well, In Micah chapter seven, if you look at that carefully, the prophet Micah is preaching to Israel in chapter six. And, and he says to them, you guys are really wealthy and you're lazy, and you don't love your neighbor very well, and you're doing economic violence to your neighbor, you're doing religious violence to your neighbor, you guys are fighting so much that even fathers and sons are not getting along, and then Micah says, Lord, I'm just gonna be patient waiting for you. So as Micah is saying this, he's basically saying, you're doing these things because you're running away from the Lord. So you have to look at Micah in its context, but Jesus says, I've come to bring a sword and not peace. Sometimes, this is, this is what I've learned from this, and I'll, I'll, it's going to sound strange at first, but sometimes when you have a message that goes to everybody and includes everybody, even the most marginalized, people with contagious diseases that will cause you death, or people with deep spiritual troubles, emotional, mental issues, all that stuff, no one wants to go to them. Jesus said, go especially to them and tell them that I love them. Be inclusive of this good news when you do this it gets people upset we feel better by excluding people and we hate to admit it and I'm including myself I was conscious of this at the first time when I was seven years old I'm gonna tell you about my seventh my seventh year birthday when I turned seven my little sister turned six our birthdays are really close and my mom gave us the best gift ever we had a birthday party with a real clown. I know for some of you, that's gonna freak you out. It was a clown, my mom got a clown. And we had no money, but my mom's house, I got a clown. And she did this, when well, I went to a little tiny school, she said, we're gonna invite everybody in your class and everybody in your sister's class. That's like 30 kids all together. I think there were 18 in my class and maybe 15 in my sister's class. And I said, you're gonna invite everybody? She goes, well, not everybody will come, but yes, I'm gonna invite everybody. And I was seven years old and I got mad at my mom. She was preaching the good news to the lepers and those demon possessions. The good news is going to everybody. I didn't want it going to everybody. I was seven. I didn't want it going to Michael Flowers. Michael Flowers was a kid who always cried. Recess, he cried. In school, he cried. And not fun cry, like the cry like, His eyes are always red. He cried and no one liked him. And I thought, Michael Flowers can't come to my birthday party. He's just gonna cry. He doesn't have any friends, and mom goes, oh, he's, he's gonna get an invitation. She said, honey, you don't know what's going on with Michael. But I thought about this as an adult. I was seven years old, and my mom gave good news to Michael Flowers, and what was my response? I was against my mother, mother against son, just like Jesus talked about. Do you all see that? Why do we feel good? about just excluding someone. And I call this, this is DDLE. This is my Pastor Mart phrase for it. It's the delicious, demonic, little exclusions. We feel better if someone's excluded. We feel better if just someone is left out. Someone's gotta pay for it. We just feel better about that. I felt better. My mom didn't teach me that. My mom didn't teach me that, but somehow I knew that. I knew that, and I saw this in high school. Have you ever transitioned from, well, some of you kids are still young, but when you go from like 7th grade and then you get to ninth and 10th grade. Let's say, isn't it great when you're in 7th grade and you have 7th grade friends and then you're in ninth and 10th grade and you still have your 7th grade friends? You guys and gals know what I'm talking about, right? What happens, though, is that your best friend when you're in 7th grade may not be your best friend when you're in 10th grade because he might not be that cool. Because in 7th grade, all you talked about was Lord of the Rings and you rode your bike and you ate red vines but now you're in ninth grade and you're not talking about Lord of the Rings and you don't eat red vines anymore, you've graduated onto nerds or something else that's more cool than red vines, and then all of a sudden your friend who's still eating red vines and talking about Lord of the Rings sits next to you in the cafeteria and you have a decision. Oh no, he's so uncool. Do I sit with him? Because now the cool group is inviting me and they're nerds and they're jocks and they, they do other stuff besides talk about Lord of the Rings do I keep my friend, do I include him, or do I push him aside? Because if I keep him, that group that's gonna let me in, what are they gonna do? They're gonna say, oh no, if you're gonna stay with him, you can't go with us, you can't stay, because you know, if I love him and include him, what's gonna happen? A sword, division will happen. Anytime you graciously include people, it always creates a sword. Does that make sense? You think, well, that sounds right, Mark, but that's, that's a real creative reading of this text. Well, that's like exactly the opposite of what Jesus says. Hold on a second. Let's stay within the Gospels. Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace but a sword and carried the cross. We think when Jesus says, bring a sword, we think, I want you guys to create conflict. I want you guys to use violence. I want you guys to be separated. Really? Let's check on that. Let's keep sword and cross together, and let's just travel through the gospel. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26, because in Matthew 26, we have a sword and we have a cross. This is the crucifixion, the cross of Jesus. Jesus was just arrested. He was just arrested. Judas, his friend, just betrayed him with a kiss. This is what happened in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of the high priest. Oh, excuse me, I need to go back. This is... Um, Matthew chapter 26, verse 48. Now the betrayer, that's Judas, had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man, arrest him. And at once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly, one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword and drew it and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? You all know the story. Peter had a sword. It's almost the day, it's the day of the cross. Peter cuts off the guy's ear with the sword and Jesus says, put it away. Those who live by the sword do what? Die by the sword. And in fact, in Luke's gospel, Jesus says, none of this. This is not the way I work. This is not my sword. Does that make sense? So let's keep sword and cross together. I think I'm on to something about this delicious, demonic little little, um, exclusions. What happens is that when you include people, people that don't like, and all of us do it. We feel better by keeping people out. We feel better that good news is only for some, not everybody. We love these delicious, demonic little exclusions. And Jesus said when you do that, when you preach good news to everybody, it's going to create conflict because you're going to exercise this, this social network of delicious, demonic little exclusions. That's what causes the sword. It happens all the time. And I'm guilty of it. You're guilty. Of it. We're all guilty of it. It's the fabric that kind of holds things together. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul also talks about the use of a sword. The sword of the Spirit. And Paul says, put on the whole armor of God so that you wrestle against principalities and powers. And he says, I want you to put on your feet, shed with the gospel of peace, the the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the most primary Word of God is the living Word of God, who is Jesus himself. And he says, I want you to use this sword to combat, not people, not destroy people, but to destroy principalities and powers. And what principalities and powers? This fabric that holds families together, churches together, countries together, businesses together, which is this weird, demonic, delicious, little exclusions that we feel better by kicking people out. And Jesus says, the sword is to attack that. And when you do that, people are going to oppose you. People are going to oppose you a little bit. Why? Because you're messing. You're messing with their idolatry. You're messing with what works. We always feel better if someone is left out. And I I do it too. You do it. I think Jesus kind of gives us a clue of this. You may think, well, that we need to have a sword and and a cross theology that goes all the way through the Gospels. Jesus does not pattern sword and cross after our violence. He's just saying, this is what happens when good news is preached to everybody. Someone's not going to like it. Someone like a Martin is not going to like Michael Flowers getting an invitation. That's the conflict. And Jesus says, you know, I'm going to attack that system. Michael's getting his invitation. By the way, he came to my party and he didn't cry, in case you wanted to know. And I was so glad. And here's what happened. I remember even as a kid, when my mo- I felt like, oh, this is, you can't, you can't have good news to him. Mom, you can't do that. And she basically said to me, honey, what, what, what would Jesus do? Oh, don't go there, mom. And she went there. Of course Jesus would invite Michael Flowers because you don't know what's going on in his life. I didn't, but I wanted him out. And, And what happened was that her generosity exposed me and exposed the conflict that I like. I like certain people left out. What is that about us? So weird, isn't it? Think about your own life. How we feel better if someone doesn't have good news? Well, you know what? This is something we need to remember. Why does Jesus care about the Michael Flowers and, and, a, and a kid with leprosy and someone who's wrestling with a demonic possession or some sort of deep, deep, dark, spiritual, emotional, mental problem? Why does Jesus care about them? Because he made them. People are not just God made, they are Jesus made. They're handcrafted by Jesus, every human being. Every human being is handcrafted by Jesus, not some sort of generic God. They're Jesus curated. He cares for them. He wants good news to go to them. He doesn't like it when we, we prevent good news to going to them and that's why it's so important. And he pokes holes in this kind of system that we love, this delicious demonic little exclusions. I think, I think at the end of Matthew 10, Jesus tells us kind of a way to overcome that. Here Jesus says this, he says, whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. He says, giving a, a little cup of water, to, giving a, a cold cup of water to a little one. You know what giving a cold cup of water to a little one is? Find someone who feels excluded and go love on them. Find someone on the outside. Find someone that doesn't know that they're Jesus made and go give them a cup of cold water. Go give them some Nerds or Red Vines or something. Love them, tell them I'm praying for you. You're made by God, you're important. I think that's so good. Jesus is saying the way to overcome this kind of spell that we have of this this delicious demonic little exclusions is just going and loving people that are different than us. And it's so important that we do that, and we can do it. I have to admit, something hit me. Um, I was reading um, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, the upper room scenario in Matthew, that after Jesus died, his best friends denied him. Peter denied him three times. They all ran away. They they all caught the crowd dynamic of just killing the guy, and they just let Jesus die. They're his best friends. They just, they completely abandoned him. Completely. And when he rose from the dead, you can imagine, well, I can imagine if I were there like, uh-oh, he's back? Oh, no. Uh, I wish I could move somewhere. I want a Southwest flight to Florida right now because uh, I was responsible for my best friend's death, and now he's back? This is not good news for me. But this is how Matthew puts it so Briefly, when Jesus rose from the dead, they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. He just said, Hi there. I love you guys. I don't hold this against you. Greetings. You killed me. I don't hold it against you. I don't do that. No scapegoats. I forgive you. Stop doing this delicious, demonic little exclusions You excluded me and it didn't work. Come on, let's start from here, Jesus says. Let's get going. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is not how we operate. Isn't that beautiful? He just said, greetings! And it hit me. Sometimes I like excluding people more than I love Jesus. Sometimes I like excluding people more. It feels better on the inside than I love Jesus. And Jesus knows that about me. He knows that about you, too. And what's Jesus' response to me? Greetings. I know that about you, Mark. I know you like to do that, Mark. I'm so sorry, Lord. I know you are. I forgive you. Let's go. Isn't that beautiful? I have to face the uglies on the inside. I've got to face my own uglies on the inside. Sometimes I like excluding people more than I love Jesus. And Jesus knows that about me. He knows that about them. And he forgives us. Oh, he's so good. He's so good to us. So when it comes to swords and conflict, well, the good news brings it. But it's not the sword that we think, is it? It's the sword of the spirit. It's the gospel of peace. But that gospel of peace, it creates a ruckus, because it messes with principalities and powers that hold stuff together like junior highs and high schools and businesses and churches and countries. But it's a false thing that holds it together. He holds all things together. Jesus is the glue to the universe, not this other stuff. And as followers of Jesus, what we're supposed to do, what God wants us to do, is ask for his forgiveness. Because all of us at some time like excluding people more than we love Jesus. And we need to look Jesus right in the face and say, I'm really sorry. And he says, I know that, but I love you. Greetings, I forgive you. Why do you think they held on to him so tightly? Why do you think they fell at his feet and they grabbed him and they wept? Because they killed him. And what was Jesus' response to them? I know you did. I don't hold it against you, Peter. I don't hold it against you, John. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And they're just crying like crazy. They can't believe that he's not going to do this cycle of violence anymore. He doesn't. You know, it's so interesting. One of the early church fathers, Tertullian, in the second century, in one of his famous sermons, he said, You know, that when Jesus disarmed Peter, he disarmed all Christians. We don't fight that way. We don't fight that way at all. We fight with the sword of the Spirit. We do things differently. We love difficult people, we hang on to them. We don't exclude the Michael Flowers. We give them invitations to the party. This is the Christian message. God has a birthday party. Everybody's invited. Including, and maybe I should say, even especially, the Michael Flowers. And when we stomp our feet like I did and say, no, 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 God says, Mart, I know that about you. I forgive you go give him the invitation. And I say, thank you, God. And I'll give him the invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for knowing that sometimes we like excluding people more than we love you. And we admit it to each other. We admit it to you. And we're so grateful we don't have to hide. But we don't like that. But we still do it. So, Lord, please forgive us. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, Help us bring good news to the marginalized. Just as you gave your first disciples that call. And as they did it, it caused problems, but they're good problems. So, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us give away the good news. Not keep it for ourselves. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.